first letter to the Corinthians was not a cold call. He knew the situation, namely a community made up of Gentile converts, those outside the original Abrahamic covenant, still living in a primarily pagan part of the world. Paul founded this community. He knew these people. Paganism reigned supreme, and the early church would navigate living as the minority religion in the Roman Empire until the Roman Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity in 312 AD. But that is a discussion for another day. You might be asking yourself why I am beginning this sermon with a crash course on Christian living in first century Corinth. Well, over the coming weeks, we will have the opportunity to spend time with the church in Corinth using their experiences to reveal the goodness of God's everlasting love and mercy. Some of Paul's most famous words were written to the church in Corinth. You probably know them. Love is patient. Love is kind. But there is always more to the story when it comes to God, the church, and us. We find ourselves in the season after Epiphany. Epiphany comes from the Greek epiphena and can be translated as the light shines, referring to the manifestation of light that causes knowledge, understanding, and a relationship. In the church, the season after Epiphany refers to the time after the manger, when the light of the world, the fullest revelation of the love of God, Jesus Christ was received outside of Israel by the Magi. So we will be exploring the never-ending love of God, the love that shines beyond the manger over the coming weeks with the help of the Corinthian church. The issue at hand in Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth is disunity inside and outside of the church. And we will get to that in just a few weeks. Before Paul addresses the conflict that divides the church, he looks to what unites the church, the things, the persons that run common through our shared lives, that span generations, the giftedness of the church through the Holy Spirit. You might know these gifts as gifts of the Spirit. These are the things that we do and make us who we are, that Apart from a, being a gift from God, it is hard to tell where or how this gift made it into our lives. In our reading today, Paul lists the gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. In the 12th chapter of his letter to the church in Rome, Paul adds serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy individually. These gifts may not seem like much. Maybe a, a resume line you could build on in a pinch if you needed to fill dead air during a job interview. But together, these gifts have the power to do more than we could ever imagine. Paul is explicit in stating these gifts are not something that we can conjure up on our own. Paul is not talking about a Myers-Briggs assessment or your Enneagram type Paul tells us the gifts of the Spirit are allocated by God among diverse members of the one body of Jesus Christ. Spirituality is not an innate human capacity. These gifts are not a natural endowment we carry with us like great hair or height. 
These gifts, Paul tells us, are also not hierarchical. Paul does not list these gifts in order of significance or priority, as the significance and priority is the source of the gifts, the Holy Spirit, which we believe lives in each of our lives. Ever since the waters of baptism hit our brow, we have been filled with God's Spirit. This Spirit moves and shapes our lives of faith, pushing nudging, and at times dragging us to the people and places God has called us to be in ministry alongside. No matter how great the gift may be, spiritual gifts can only be ascribed to God's initiative. We should never take credit for these gifts. Take, for example, hypothetically, you're the organizer of many church committees or or groups When you walk in the room, there is a collective sigh of relief as the group knows that you will organize, lead, and ensure the group stays on task, completing a Bible study or ensuring that the work of the church is done. It seems like every interaction you have in the church is an opportunity for your administrative skills to shine. Yeah. That is less about your ability to organize and lead and more about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let's try another for fun. Say, hypothetically, you're an amazing prayer of prayers. When you are around the holiday table at a family gathering, your sweet granny nods to you to deliver the blessing over the special meal. Year after year, you nail it better than any two-time seminary graduate could ever dream of praying. Year after year, a single tear streams down your mother's face as she beams with pride. Yeah, that too is less about your ability to string together a few words of blessing and more about the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you see where this is heading These gifts are more than administrative skills in public speaking. The gifts of the Spirit are God's way of reminding the church that there is more going on than we will ever know. These are gifts given by the grace of God. We did not do anything to earn these gifts, but you better believe God is going to use those gifts in your life to further God's redemptive work. This began in the waters of your baptism and will continue as we, the church, Christ's body, continue to attune our collective attention to God's will. These gifts are not a product of birth. Instead, they are gifts of rebirth. These gifts, Paul reminds the church, are intended to unite the community of faith for God's common good. God's common good, not the common good of the pastor's church council, or individual, no matter who that individual may be. The gifts of the Spirit are intended to position the church then and now to share the good news of Jesus Christ across generations and geography. It is a gift of the Spirit for the church in Corinth and the church in Arlington to declare Jesus Christ is Lord. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is not a declaration the church can make on its own or a declaration the church can sustain over generations without the help of God. And this is precisely where we find the gospel good news. 
regardless of what gifts the Spirit has given you, regardless of whether you think you are worthy of such a gift, and regardless of the priority others might place on those gifts, God is going to use you to further God's kingdom. So buckle up, buttercup, because God promises to use the gifts God has given to individual members of Christ's body to build up the entire body. And in building up the whole body, the kingdom of God is advanced, revealed a bit more as we await Christ's promised to return. And the kingdom of God is fully revealed. Christ has leveled the playing field. He is Lord and there is no hierarchy, no one higher than the other because the Lordship of Jesus Christ, a gift to all creation, refocuses the attention of the church away from division and conflict, pointing us toward the salvific work that began in the manger, was revealed to us in a star, and was realized when Mary and Mary found the tomb to be empty. Amen.